Christmas. And if you've been around for a while, we say that every year, don't we? Um, but again, I think uh, every year a little bit of depth builds if you take the time to stop and think about hope or love and joy and peace and why those things are a reality because of Christmas. So again this year, I ask that you would etch out some time and uh, leadership as we go, uh, as sort of doing this Advent theme, um, that you would find some time to take, to reflect on um, where you get hope from, how you find peace, what's the joy, what's bringing you joy in life, uh, how are you experiencing love, expressing love. So over the next four weeks, we're going to focus on things that happened in a little town of Bethlehem some 4,000 years ago. So it's because we're going to go through the book of Ruth, which is based sort of around Bethlehem. So it's not Jesus' time of Bethlehem, but Ruth's time in Bethlehem. And we're going to look at the life of a poor young lady named Ruth. We're going to be able to reflect on how her and her family and those around her um, experienced hope and peace and love and joy that comes through the birth of her son. It's a wonderful story. Ruth is an awesome story. It's one that I studied at college uh, a lot um, and um, I encourage you to read it sort of right through. Uh, just engage a little bit in the, the story. Put yourself into the story of Ruth uh, because I think God uh, has a lot to say um, in it and I think it's very relevant to us and our culture today. Um, so today I'm going to take us through uh, chapter 1 and uh, we're going to reflect on this message theme which I've got today which is hope but hope in bitterness, which is sort of, we, we get a bit of a feel of that coming through uh, chapter one. The book's called Ruth, but the book is actually really about Naomi. Uh, Naomi gets talked about here at the start, um, but the last verse, uh, if you've got your Bibles open, one of the last verses before the little um, genealogy there, uh, it says, then Naomi took a child in her lap, cared for him. The woman said, Naomi has a son. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because it wasn't her son. So there's something in this whole story that's actually about the saving of Naomi <laughs> and the redemption of Naomi uh, and her family and her need that you'll we'll pick up as we go um, over the next month. Because it's not just any son, is it? If you've got your Bibles again, if you, when you read there, this is a son who comes in the line of David. And we know, so as readers who read this story, some 4,000 odd years after it's written, so who read it after knowing what happened in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, we're making some connections here, aren't we? There's things that uh, God says to us through his word. Um, as we read back into we know what comes of the son of David. 
We know who he is. We know what happened in Bethlehem and um, the hope that it brings to the world. And so it's good for us to actually sort of read that back into it. Where the original writers knew that or intended that, I'm not sure. But through the Spirit, we um, get to read that with this knowledge of what we have now. So as we go through uh, this chapter and through this message, I want you to be wrestling with two questions. The first question is, what makes you bitter? Okay, so, and you might need to do a bit of heart searching for this because I don't think it's a question we often ask of ourselves much. And I would say most of us say, oh, I'm not bitter. But I, that's not the question I'm asking. I'm asking, what makes you bitter? And the second question I want you to wrestle with and ask is, where do you get your hope from? So as we go through this, asking those two questions, what makes me bitter and where do I get hope from? What is it that rises up a sense of hope, which probably has the sense of, if we think about what hope is, it's um, the rea- a future reality that's better than this. Isn't it? Something like that. I did a Google search on it. Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of a positive outcome. What is it that gives you that in life? In whatever situation you might find yourself in today, and particularly in light of this chapter, particularly when life gets tough. Where do you find hope when life gets tough? So let's begin. Um, In the beginning of chapter 1, it talks about it's in the the days of the judges. So this is a very dark time in Israel's history. If you've got your Bibles there, you can flick over to the chapter before, which is Judges 21, which talks about what happened. And it says this in 25, it says, In those days... Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. And uh, Israel was a mess. Uh, There was actually little hope. If you're reading any of the uh, the Jewish people, they're reading this um, in days... There was like, (laughs) there's no hope for Israel. It's bleak times, there's no king. People just doing what they want. And as I thought and reflect, I thought maybe that's not a whole lot different to the world that we live in today. Where more and more uh, there is push that there is no ultimate authority. Uh, Anyone or everyone can be their own king. Actually, anyone and everyone can interpret their own truth and do what they want when they want. that we actually live in a world that is affected by evil, that's actually a pretty dark place. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe it's some of that that makes you bitter. And so uh, in this day of the judges that's happening there, um, it gets a little bit worse because a famine hits. And so... Uh, And then we start to get this story of Elimelech and Naomi. And in the book of Ruth, 
Um, names play sort of an important part. They add to what's happening in the story. So understanding what names mean uh, help us understand this story. Uh, it doesn't... You can read the story without... Uh, but it adds detail and depth uh, to the story. So Elimelech means... His name means God is king, which is a little bit ironic when he takes his family because there's a famine... And he leaves Israel and goes to Moab. That is not a good thing to do. Moab is the enemy of God. And so what does Elimelech do? He thinks his hope is in an enemy that can provide him food. And so he's thinking that God is king, but really he is king. And so the writer is putting these sorts of things into the, the story to, um, to bring uh, a richness and a depth to us. Because uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Does anyone know what Bethlehem means, the name Bethlehem? Thank you. Bethlehem means the house of bread. <laughs> this is where you get bread. And he leaves the house of bread and goes to find hope or security for his future with the enemies of God or enemy of God's people. Um, so uh, Elimelech, um, Naomi, her name means pleasant. Um, but as we get to the end of the chapter, her name changes, doesn't it? And it goes from being pleasant to being bitter. And so where she says, don't call me pleasant anymore. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And we've, uh, we've heard a little bit as to why that was the case. Um, Marlon and Chilion, the names of her kids, they don't uh, bode well for their... because Marlon means sickness and weakness and Chilion means annihilation or being consumed or something. So it doesn't really bode well for them already and it lives itself out in the next verse when they all die. So Elimelech dies... So Ruth, uh, sorry, Naomi has no hope in her husband anymore. Like in ancient Near East times, the husband was the supplier, the hope, the strength in many ways for families. Uh, and now um, the sons, there might be hope in the sons in being able to support her, but no, they die as well. And now there are three refugee widows in a foreign land living in a famine and where do they find their hope in the midst of that? I thought about that too, just about thinking about asking the question, where do I put my hope? If, you're, if you've got a spouse, how much hope do you put in them? Or if you've got kids or a family, how much hope do you put in them? Or if kids is family, how much hope do you put in your parents? And if you're trying to understand what is hope, again, it's something about an expectation of a positive future. Could I have a future without my spouse? And how would you feel if you didn't? Maybe you would start to feel bitter, resentful, angry, as some of you may have experienced here already. Sometimes 
what makes us feel bitter reveals what we're actually hoping in. Because if that thing that's taken away from us makes us feel bitter or resentful, maybe we were trusting that more than God. So that's why I want you to wrestle with both. What, makes you, what would make you bitter and where do you find hope? And Ruth and uh, Orpah come into uh, play here. Uh, Ruth's name means friend and companion. Orpah's name means stubborn or like the back of your neck, which we see as she walks back to her family uh, and Ruth sticks it out. But there is a glimmer of hope in verse 6 where uh, Naomi finds out that the Lord has brought... Uh, food in Bethlehem. And so they've been living there for 10 years, if you pick that up. So this is 10 years of bitterness they've been living in. It wasn't, so, it wasn't a quick thing. It wasn't gone. 10 years they had to live in this reality. Where did they find hope in that? But somewhere we get indicators along the way that Naomi is still trusting in God. Because she talks about the Lord. The Lord has made this happen. The Lord is doing this. And later on when we get to Ruth, she starts to talk about the Lord as well. So I think Ruth has grown up or has been in that situation where she knows of Yahweh, of God, the creator, the God of Israel. And so she lives as a believer following Yahweh, trusting God, but living in an extreme bitterness. That's what she calls it later on. And how do we do that? And so she encourages her daughters-in-law in sort of Jewish or ancient Near East sort of practice where the wives or the brothers would marry the wives of deceased brothers so that they would be able to provide for their families and continue the family name. But she says, there's no hope for you in that because I'm not going to be able to produce any more sons. And she even says, there's no hope from me. I I can't give you any hope for that in verse 12. So she says, go back to your families and uh, go back to them. Maybe they will be able to do that. It was interesting, like, and I just want to play again with what makes you bitter and what do you hope in, um, and particularly a bit around family. And Coraline's been away for 10 days in Perth. So I've been, last night I was home by myself. Uh, I was starting to feel a bit grumpy and down and a few things happened. And then I just began to... How much of my happiness or ident- is based on my wife and the way she loves me? And that, they, they're good things, they're great things to have, but if my thinking and my... And I started to become a little bit grumpy and down and maybe even a little bit bitter and resentful. You know, I'm, and it was just, for me, it was just a little bit of a taste. And, uh, and so I just, again, what is it the things that make you bitter? Or what would make you bitter? And where do I actually find hope? And I think hope for me um, brings this idea of um, 
my purpose, my identity, my security in the future. Where, is that? Where does that come from? Because if it comes from my circumstances around me, what happens when they're taken away? Where do I go? And I started to even think that. What happens if Coraline died? Would, would that destroy my life? It's interesting because really good things, really good things around us, people, jobs, church, family, can, be, can start to become idols. <laughs> and idols are things that we trust in over and above God. And so uh, as we head down the, the chapter to, towards the end, um, it's interesting in it that Naomi says, it's bitter for me. And what does she do? Who does she blame? She blames the Lord. And she does it pretty blatantly and specifically. The Lord's hand has been against me. And I think um, God blaming came in from sort of day one when sin entered the world. Adam and Eve do it, don't they? And we point the finger, or they point the finger at other people or God. And I just thought to myself, who do you point the finger at when things go wrong? And then I thought, what makes you bitter towards God? So I'm going to take, ramp it up a little bit. What makes you point the finger at God and say, why did you do that? Why have you made my life this? Why would you do something like that to me? Has it been sickness? Has it been the loss of a job? Has it been the loss of a loved one? Has it been just uncertainty about your future? Not sure if you've got what it takes to get you through. Whether you have enough wealth, you have a good enough job, you've done well enough at school, you're getting the marks to get through uni. Or sickness has come your way, or loved ones have been taken away from you that haven't gone according to plan. Or evil has entered your life and abuse has come, greed has ripped you or your family apart, or you've been affected by war or terrorism, where do you or would you find hope in these situations? I thought of that little girl who got hit by a, on a bike and died this week. By a car, where would I, where would you find hope in that? And what would I, what would be my reaction to God? <laughs> I think it's a pretty human reaction to blame God, and the Bible is full of followers of God pointing the finger at Him and asking why. It never condones it. The Bible never condones that's a good thing to do. But he said, it's full of it. That's what we do. We're, we're sinful people. 
Everyone does it. David does it. Moses does it. Um, Naomi does it. But at the same time as we go through this, as she's wrestling with this turmoil that's going on in her life, the bitterness, she looks to him for hope. And then uh, Ruth's classic saying comes in there at verse 16. She says, uh, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I'll die. And she makes that pledge. May the Lord deal with me if I don't do this. Again, see through that, we're getting that she's, she's a follower of Yahweh. She knows Yahweh and she's committing to him and wants to, or she believes that he is the one that will actually uh, make things happen. And so at the end of the chapter, two women arrive in Bethlehem uh, and the town is stirred, it says, and they're asking the question, can this be Naomi? That, that word stirring there is not necessarily a good stirring. Okay, it's a, this is, they're probably more the sense of this is the woman that left us, that abandoned God and, and she's coming back. So Naomi's not in it. It's not everyone's, oh, wow, she's back. At the end of this chapter, they're not in a good place. They're two widows in a place where they have no land, no home, and probably not a whole lot of friends. And the chapter ends. I so much wanted to go into the next chapter. And at the end, Naomi again says, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, because the Lord has afflicted me. Where do you have hope when things go wrong, when you feel bitter, when you feel unjustly treated? And over the next few weeks, some of that hope unfolds. But we just get a bit of a taste of it here. I sort of like, actually, where this theme, because our theme is hope. Hope comes to us in its fullness and its richness, often in darkness, in pain, in suffering. And we actually, it's, um, it's in those places where we often experience God and his love and his grace and mercy for us in new and fresh and deeper ways. We recognise this story is a story that we can put ourselves in. We recognise that we can be like Elimelech and walk away from God and look. We recognise that we can be like Naomi and point fingers. We recognise that we can um, turn our, our backs on God and his people. We recognise that we experience famine, curses, of e uh, the, the results of the curse, that we are affected by evil and temptation. And in those places... Do we actually take time to understand where our bitterness is coming from? Uh, and even the practice of lament, of loss, and, how, and where do I go with that? And so in this dark place where the chapter en ends, I want to remind us of the events in Bethlehem some 2,000 years after this, where it says in John chapter 1, the light has come into the darkness. 
Jesus, the son of David. And in Matthew chapter 1, Ruth gets mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he's saying, put your hope in me. He says this, remember Jesus' words. He says, in the world there are many troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so this Christmas, we need to hear and remember his word for us who are rebellious, for those who are in bitterness, for those who are God-blamers, for those who are suffering extreme pain. The promise, the big story over the little story is that there is a God who is at work. For the saving of his people. It's interesting because in Hebrews, when the heroes of the faith get mentioned, a lot of the judges get mentioned, people like Barak and Samson and Jephthah. These are people who weren't that great people to follow, but the heroic thing that they seem to be commended for is that they clung to God even to the end. <laughs> A little bit like Ruth clinging to Naomi. They just clung to God even in the midst of their pain and suffering and believed that something better was going to come. That God was working his plan over and above what they were experiencing. And the longer we live and the longer I live, I realise that wealth doesn't bring hope. Wives or husbands don't, health doesn't, education doesn't, career success doesn't. But is the one who made the universe and designed us to live with him. That reality brings us a sense of hope and peace and joy. And so the, bring, the big story reminds us in the midst of our confusion, we have to believe that God is at work redeeming and saving his people. That there is a creator that so loved the world that he sent his son. That light has come into darkness. That our hope is in a God who is always at work saving his people and has promised to restore it. And so this... Christmas, this Advent, if you're living a life of business, if you're questioning where your hope comes from, look to the light of Jesus. See what he has done. Look to the story of Naomi and Ruth as we explore it over the next month, that it points to God's saving work through Jesus, a hope for an eternal future, despite what our circumstances may be at any point in time. And in that purpose, in that meaning, in that, um, or in that place, we can have purpose and meaning and an expectant optimism no matter what situation we find ourselves. We remember that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are always at work. We thank you that um, we are offered hope in the midst of darkness and bitterness. Lord, when we look at the world around us, we question sometimes uh, what's going on. When we look deeply into our hearts, when we look deeply into our lives, Lord, we recognise um, bitterness, hopelessness, selfishness. 
And so this Christmas, again, we want to be reminded of your pursuit of those who rebel against you, who doubt you, who point the finger at you, who don't love you the way we should, and that you have said uh, that is being taken care of through Jesus. And he pers- you pursue us to be in a living and hopeful and expectant relationship with you for now and forever. So Lord, as we leave this place today, may you well up within us, by your Spirit, a, s- a sense of expectant hope for the future because of who you are and who we are because of you. Amen. We're going to finish the service by singing a song uh, that's called My Hope, and it's in the name of the Lord. And it's a song that's actually a prayer. And I ask that this would be your response to the hope that Jesus brings this advent of this Christmas again. That hopeful people can sing, even if you're in bitterness, about a faithful God. Uh, He is a faithful when we're not, and uh, we can do that together. It's a song that mostly is a prayer individually, but every now and then there's some lines in here that you're actually singing it to each other. And one of the great ways to get through bitterness and hardship and suffering is actually to support one another. And that's what we're going to sing about and do uh, today. So let's stand and uh, sing this song.